Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Welcome back to, well, I guess what will be our uh, penultimate uh, Christmas uh, edition of FNI Rap Chat. Just want to stop. I want to uh, calm down. You're and, uh, out of breath. Stairs, <laughs> calm down. stairs will do that to you. Um, <laughs> just want to extend a huge thanks to everybody who's got involved, not only in the, with the podcast, but Film Network Ireland in general over the last year in particular. Uh, massive thanks to our sponsors, uh, Wildcard Distribution, for all of their support uh, and, and, and time and encouragement. It's been overwhelming. Um, and also a lot of other companies uh, as well, like Film Equipment Hire, who helped out with our homeless initiative, 2020 Vision. Um, uh, we, we had the, the winner of that initiative last weekend, the winner of the live round, is, uh, is quite something. It's a, a film based on Paddy Fryer's, the, uh, the guy who hangs the coats on the Hapney Bridge. So... We're really happy with what was achieved with that, with no money. Uh, it's really, really quite something, and that'll screen at the Dublin Film Festival in February. Um, so well done, everybody who, who turned up for that and helped us out. And equally, uh, you know, anybody who's supported, shared, uh, listened to the podcast, referred it to somebody else, all those type of things. So keep on listening. Uh, for the remainder of December up until the 24th, uh, so four or five days, we're going to be continue to raise funds for the Peter McVerry Trust. So if you want to donate something, um, go to our our our, our page uh, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI and everything that's raised from that between now and Christmas, we will be donating uh, towards the end of the month to uh, to other funds raised uh, to the Peter McVerry Trust. So thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah, and then just in terms of the podcast, just thanks to all our guests and all our listeners. Um, it's been another amazing year. It's uh, we've got spoiled two years under our belts now. Uh, we're, you know, we're fast approaching a hundred episodes. Um, it's been a bit of a journey. It's been uh, all sorts of things for us. We've learned so much from doing it. Met so many great people that we're still in touch with, and mm. people that we've been able to reach out to uh, for different things. And Paul, like you know, last night we just had a panel with Edwina uh, Forkin and uh, Fiona, Fiona Kinsella, um Vincent Lamb, uh, Kevin uh, or Frank Barry. All these people are amazing filmmakers, amazing people, and they've all given the time to come on the show and. Uh, you know, share their share their uh, wisdom and their stories. Um, so yeah, looking forward to another busy year next year. Um, we're gonna we have uh, some really exciting guests lined up. So yeah, it's gonna be great. And today we've got a, a really fun one. Who have we got you. today, Paul? Luke McManus, um, brilliant filmmaker, uh, has been making. Uh, drama and great documentaries for many years now and uh, he's a real character it was a lot of fun to do the interview with him uh, you'll in, you'll enjoy this one uh, it's uh yeah it's good crack um we're all a little bit uh ropey after the christmas celebrations last night so uh but uh that didn't put a dampener on uh this conversation at all so um yeah, so as we say, a big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Wildcard Distribution, and uh, everyone who's who's supported us. A uh, little shout out to uh, Fishing. Um, they just launched their uh, website this week. Uh, check it out. It's Fishing.ie. Uh, Fishing is an Irish language film competition uh, that was formerly homed at the Dingle International Film Festival, uh, which very sadly 
is not going to continue anymore, uh, which is quite heartbreaking. It's a it's a festival that was very dear to my heart, and uh, the competition uh, was you know was the first thing that I got funded, and uh, it was a huge part of my career. And Tor Cotton, who runs it, is amazing, uh, amazing support for filmmakers. So it's great that fishing is going to continue, and it's going to. Uh, be homed at another festival at the Baltana Festival. Um, so if you go to fishing.e, uh, you can get all the information about how to enter. Uh, don't be put off by the Irish language thing. There's always a way around these things. You can always you can write the script in English and get someone who has good Irish to come and translate it. That's what I did. I think that's what Tristan Heenu did, who's doing amazingly well with his short film Cunis, which was funded by Fishing. Um so yeah it's very hard to get money you know uh to make films so you have to be versatile and uh you know jump on something like that because even if you don't get funded they do an amazing um workshop with filmmakers uh for a weekend down in dingle uh which is great as well you know you get to work with people like jerry strambridge and that so yeah that's fishing.ie big shout out to them um yeah so uh looking forward to another year uh we'll uh, we'll see you hopefully in january and um best of luck to everyone with their uh, filmmaking this year and the projects and uh thanks so much for tuning in this is luke McManus. Luke McManus, uh, thanks a million for coming into the studio. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. Uh, I think the first I heard of you was you were the mad fella who was making a short film at Electric Picnic about 10 or 11 years ago. Is that right? Well, well remembered, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the podcast, by yeah. the way. <laughs> it's good, yeah. Yeah, I did make a film at Electric Picnic, so I, I've been working in TV a little bit, kind of doing, you know, Duncan Stewart about the house and... Crack like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, but you're getting paid to direct. Yeah. So, and uh, and Duncan gave me one of my first, you know, gave me my first gig as a freelancer. So that's yeah. always to be respected and, yeah. and, and appreciated. So. But I went down to the Galway. I used to go to the Galway flat and just go on the lash. And then it was the third year, and I was like, you know, I might go and see some films this time now that I'm directed. <laughs> you know, so so I said, I'll go and see a program of short films. And I sat there, and uh, and it was an absolutely um, seminal moments in my life because I saw one short that was so good um, by an Irish director of my own vintage and it just blew me away to think that you could possibly achieve something like that. And then I saw so many shorts that were so absolutely awful, right? Yeah. So... Do you remember which one? I I do. It was called Frankie. It was by Darren Thornton who then went on to do A Date with Mad Mary, obviously. And uh, Mm. he, you know, he's, he directed Love is the Drug shortly after that, which when you look back, I mean, that was an RT drama series they gave to Darren. I think he was in his early 30s, you know, amazing really. But Frankie, I don't know if anyone's seen it. A very young Ryan Andrews um, plays a teenage boy who's got his girlfriend pregnant and he has to do a kind of pre-parenthood course <laughs> uh, and they give him a little doll to kind of mind uh, for the weekend And but it was it had that kind of Andrea Arnold Lynn Ramsey mm-hmm. Ken Loach uh, 
energy to it. Ivan McCullough DOP'd it beautifully, but it had humour in it as well. So it was that kind of classic, what they call brick grit, but with that bit of Irish comedy in the mix. Yeah. So it was just a very elevated artistic take on the kind of world of the snapper or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and I just loved it. And then the bad films were just shocking, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you don't really see films as bad as that anymore, you know? Mm, like, you yeah, really yeah. don't. Like, yeah. the standards have gone up so much and everyone wants to get into these festivals. So I was kind of sitting there going, well, that's as, you know, you could make a film that good. Like, you know, that's such an inspiring film to watch because the story was told in 10 minutes brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And then, I was looking at it going, well, at least it'll be better than those other dreadful films that I've seen if I make a film. You know what I mean? Like, So this got me off my ass, basically. You know? yeah, yeah. Kick, yeah, kick up the arse. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was funny because I was in Galway that day then I met me. So there was a school friend of mine from primary school in Bray. I'm from Bray originally. And Bray is like, you know, movie town. And, you know, so, there'd be actors and cameramen's yeah. kids in your class in school, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Rory O'Brien's dad was an actor, Niall O'Brien. And Rory was a great pal of mine. And then he kind of went, took the film route, and I didn't. And um, he became a cinematographer then. And I, I met him at that same flat, and we were having lunch, and I hadn't seen him about eight years. And he's like, look, if you want to do a film, you know, give me a call. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And then I went to a party. I'll never forget this party. I met this really good-looking girl at the party who was a casting director who was starting out. And I had a great chat with her. She was a real... And there was another fella there, I remember, who was quite obviously trying to... <laughs> do what you do you know at a party and he I, thought I see an edit come yeah. <laughs> well no he was just keen on this girl and I was just like what's a casting director oh amazing I was just having the workshop but he thought I was chatting her up so he kept sort of trying to he thought he thought I was cock blocking him <laughs> but I genuinely wasn't she was great at Thursday King she works with um, Louise Kylie that's right yeah. she's brilliant right so and she was so sound like so her and Rory were like you know, if you want help with this film, give us a shout. And I kind of, then you realise when you have some people of that calibre, and isn't that a great advertisement for the Galway Flat? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally in a 24-hour period. So that was July. And then late August that year, I was at Electric Picnic with Rory O'Brien, Barry Ward and Charlie McKenna. Aidan Turner was there, but only because he was Charlene's boyfriend. I, I, I turned him down in the audition because he was too handsome. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you're actually just, you're, you're just too, it's crazy it's how handsome you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know. You're perfectly symmetrical <laughs> in every way. But he's actually in the film in the photograph. There's in her bedroom, the character's bedroom, her b- boyfriend that she's had a row with. You can see the yeah. photo of him. So Aidan Turner. He's a lovely guy. Ah, he's great. He's he was a year ahead of me in drama school. Was he? Always sound, and I've seen him dozens of times over the years, and he's always. Ah, no, Aidan's totally decent skin. And yeah. I mean, what a sport. Like, he. I said no to him for the film and he comes down for the sky anyway with Charlene and wow. it was great. You know, so like, ah, no, he was brilliant. But it was a, it was terrific and I made loads of terrible mistakes and I spent nine months editing the thing. Yeah. It was actually very interesting. I showed it to Niall Heary. Okay. I don't know if you know Niall. He's great. He did small engine repair and he did oh, yeah. gold and, you know, he's a really good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did the cut and he's like, you know, you're just missing a moment here. Mm. A short film has to have a moment in it, which I thought was a real insight. Mm. And um, I actually ended up going shooting another scene nine months later. Um, that bookended the story. So basically, in the film, Barry's character is walking through Dublin the night in the winter. Okay. Charlene's character comes out of work down the Docklands, and they walk past each other, right? Okay. And they clock each other, 
double take kind of thing. And then the film starts nine months earlier and it's like they're at Electric Picnic and they have this kind of encounter. So it's like, you know, Boy Meets Girl Electric Picnic. It's called Danger High Voltage. So it's just a little love story, impressionistic love story. Mm-hmm. But that scene meant that that was the moment that the film was about was when you see the person on the street that you... You know, slept, yeah, yeah. With, slept with nine months ago. <laughs> As Exa- happens exactly in Dublin. nine months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Love. I never thought of that, but there you go. Like, but um, Or maybe it was six months. Anyway, but, and that's a kind of Dublin experience, isn't it? Because oh, of yeah. the size of the place. Yeah. You know, like you're always going to see people again, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then, like, the big question was, are they going to stop and chat or not? And, you know, it kind of gave you a bit of a payoff at the end because when the film ended, then they were back and then they just kept walking. Yeah. Like, they didn't have the awkward conversation. They just kind of pretended they hadn't seen each other. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it had, and I think a short story and a short film should have some sort of... Hook or payoff. It's just a structural thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that idea of it has to be a little... Because I've made other shorts that I've tried for the same thing and never really quite landed as well. You know what I mean? It's a funny one, like. Yeah. It's a tricky one, all right. Um, let's go way back. Uh, how did you... What was your kind of earliest experience in terms of a cinematic experience where now looking back retrospectively, you, you, it was kind of seminal and kind of sending you where you are now? That's an interesting question. I um, I remember my brother coming home one day when we were about nine, he was about eight or maybe a little bit older and he goes, I saw Knights on Armour in the forest today and I was like, you know, why are you so insane? <laughs> you know, what are you babbling about? You know? And then it turned out he, he had a mate who lived up in Kilruddery outside Bray, which is where the big house on the outskirts of Bray, where they were filming John Borman's Excalibur. Wow. So he actually had seen Knights in Armour up in the forest. So, oh, you know, he right. wasn't lying because he had yeah. a friend who lived up there and he were, they were roaming around and they, they came across Borman shooting that film. And right. That actually had Rory O'Brien's dad in it, Niall O'Brien was in it and Gabriel Byrne was in it and, you know, various people. So that's always there, you know what I mean? In yeah. your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your Consciousness. Ev- yeah, your every day. It just, films was just mm. something people did in Bray. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, and then I'm trying to think of what the first memory I have of going to the cinema. Was it Empire Strikes Back maybe? Certainly around that kind of time. I remember going to see Bambi. It was obviously in a reissue and... Mm. And my brother getting the fear and running out of the cinema. <laughs> and, and, uh, he pops up a lot in my stories today for whatever reason. And my aunt wrestling him, trying to get him back into a seat. And, you know, it was terrifying, like Bambi. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah, it. Yeah, right. right. it's, it's, I don't want to spoil it. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bambi doesn't make it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough, you know, it's a, it's hard to imagine them making that film now. So, uh, you, you know, so it was always there in my mind, but I never really, you know, I wasn't one of these, like, Oh, I have to maybe be a filmmaker when I grow up type. So no. I kind of was like, I haven't got a rash or something I'm going to do when I grow up. And that <laughs> went on for a long time, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think in a way I sort of, I found it hard to give myself permission to have that dream. I kind of would go, you know, ah, no. Mm. You know, my dad was a doctor, you know, like, you know, do something legit. Was there pressure there? No, no, no. no. To be fair, there wasn't at all, like, you know. But I just... Did, wasn't very motivated or focused. Okay. I was just a waster. In the, you know, I mean, like, you know, college student. Pints were more Pints, important. you know, yeah. Bad crap Dublin hash and pints. And, <laughs> you know, you know, the 90s, it was a fun time. I went to Trinity, which was fantastic. Like, I didn't do the film school thing ever. Our friend, our film sock even. 
you, you know what? Not not even. And funny yeah. enough, Lenny Abramson was probably four years ahead of me in Trinity, and I think Dominic West was still there when yeah. I was in first year. He was in fourth year, and you heard a bit about it, you know. Like yeah. I mean, him and Ed Guiney kind of came out. That was their baby mm. film, suck. But no, I just kind of was into everything. I was into. I ran a magazine for a bit, I ran election campaigns, so, you know, yeah. there was just a huge life in, in Trinity. In, so in all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, like, Creative sorry, I'm a bit, hung, I'm bit hung over here. I'm kind of, <laughs> I, I think we all are. <laughs> it's Christmas. We, ha, we had our own uh, F&I Christmas party last night, so we're all a bit ropey and Wildcard was we also rocking as well. Free bar. Oh, bar, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, yeah good for you. Lots the, of water. Was, well yeah, done. I was on the well white Russians. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, they can, be, they can creep up in you. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're dangerous. Wow. Yeah. Where's the money, Lebowski? Lana ins and outs. There's but, a beverage here. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, and sometimes, you know, and then you kind of read these interviews with filmmakers and they're like, oh, when I was four, I was built a Super 8 rig and, you know, they're just like, oh, I didn't do any of that, Jesus. Yeah. It's funny enough, my granddad's Super 8s resurfaced uh, a couple of years ago. He bought a Super 8 camera when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother. So we had filmed from like the 1940s of like a newborn baby. No way. Fuck. Colour. Wow. 8 yeah. millimetre. And they were living in Canada at the time. It was snowy. There was a steam train going by and all the smoke. I mean, they were exquisite wow. pictures. Like, And so I suppose there's always been a camera around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was kind of looking at it. He was a civil servant, but I was like, he was a filmmaker. He could yeah. shoot, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, and yeah. He had the, the eye, like. Totally. And it wasn't even a thing, though. It's not something that could have, you know, was attainable even back then for a lot of people. Well, even yeah. If, even if you had the flair, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, he was an unusual character, like uh, my grandfather. And then on my father's side, my dad's cousin was a, he was a photographer in the Irish Times. Jack McManus was his name. And he kind of seemed to have a good life whenever I met him. He was enjoying himself. Always smoking a cigarette and drinking. You know what? <laughs> Not, you know what? He just he just had an interesting life. He just went yeah. to interesting things and yeah. met interesting people. And he was a people person. Yeah. So I always kind of had a vague idea about the media because it seemed, you know, yeah. like it would be working for a living type of thing, you know. So, But what it was going to be was always yeah. up for grabs. So you did know? you kind of, you said you were doing bits of, like, kind of directing. Did you just kind of drift into that or...? It's kind of weird. I, 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 you know, it's not like I'm anyone particularly well known that people would be that interested in my life story. So it feels weird. But no, I tell you, I went to Trinity. I did politics and economics. A lot of my friends were kind of geeks. They were into like the you know computers, and we were like you know rave music and mm -hmm. that idea of technology shaping us, and that was what was different about our generation. So I was kind of into that. Mm -hmm. And then I did, so did a master's in interactive media, but that was like 95. So the, the web literally popped up in the middle of that. Yeah, literally yeah. the web sort of, look at this thing, the web. And I was like, whoa. So that was the kind of track I went down. Okay. It's like my career's going in some weird reverse. Like, like I became a web project manager, designer, content creator, a bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. And then I ended up doing the website for the 1997 Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you could hear the songs on the website. I mean, this was cutting edge shit. Yeah, like, yeah, believe yeah. me, you know, people were like, "What?" <laughs> you know, uh, and, we uh, don't have to pay for the <laughs> It was incredible, um, and I ended up working in RTE doing that stuff. So that's how it all. It okay. sort of. It was just really roundabout. So, so I was RTE Online's first employee. You know, there was two lads there already, and they brought me in. There was just three of us bopping away. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I did st- set up Artie News online. Well, you know, like at yeah. the age of 27, like didn't know what I was doing, you yeah. know. Still a bit of a waste. that over there. It'll be a, little, a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, totally out of me depth, like, and just like, you know. And I kind of realized pretty quickly management was not something I was really gifted at. Yeah. And But I was tipping away and, like, it was grand. And then what happened was I bumped into a friend of mine um, from school, John Butler. Have you ever had him in? Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good guy, isn't he? Yeah, John's yeah. brilliant. Lovely, yeah. So I bumped into John and I was like, what are you, um, what's the story? And he's like, I'm back from San Francisco. I've been in San Francisco working on TV. And, I, and he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get some gigs over here. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking the other day I'd love to make a documentary, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a, f- a friend of mine who was going out with a really relatively successful professional poker player called Andy Black back in, this is 97 maybe, 98. And she was telling me all about her trip to Vegas to the World Series of Poker the previous year. And then I'd, a friend of mine gave me a book by a writer called Anthony Holden. He's like a mate of Martin Amos and all those guys in London. It's called Big Deal, but an excellent book, really good, where he'd spent a year playing poker professionally and wrote it up. And it was very colourful world and really fascinating stuff. So I was like, God, that'd be good. So I said it to John. I said, look, you know. And John, like, you know, he's just a very resourceful kind of fella. He, he went off to Windmill, Windmill Lane. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they had an in-house crew. They still do, I think, actually. <coughs> but it was Richard Kendrick and Ross O'Callaghan, both of whom are very accomplished cameramen now. Actually, Richard would be a good man to get in here. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Really nice fellow. And um, so we went to Las Vegas. We sort of financed it ourselves. So me and John went. John directed, I produced. But I did a bit of directing, and he did a bit of producing. And, you know, like, but that's kind of... Yeah. yeah. And we shot the thing in four days. But we had so, such luck. Yeah. Were you... He was tell- he it's on YouTube. Told- he, he, told- he told us a different, not a different version, but a similar story. Oh, really? About this. That's interesting. Then on, yeah. on the podcast, have a listen back. Um, I hope yeah. he didn't say it was his idea. You know? Well, you <laughs> can sort it out amongst yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you get your little podcast booth and you can, you can punch it out. That's so funny, my God. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, he uh, just some really interesting stories about his time in San Fran, and that yeah. was one of the first things he actually made. I think. I think it was. A, yeah, yeah. I think it was. I'm like. You need a bit of luck yeah. in this business. And like we were lucky. I mean, we rocked over there. I barely knew one end of a camera from another. I arrive in, I had a ticket to the press game, which was, you know, the night before the big one. Anyone yeah. with a press badge could play in this game for free. Right. Right. So I sit down and I'm like uh, getting my ass handed to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. As you can imagine. And uh, this fellow beside me looks a bit familiar. Are you Matt Damon? He goes, yeah, I'm Matt Damon. Nice to meet you. What's your name? I was like, oh, uh, you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> now he wasn't. He'd won the Oscar at this stage for Goodwill Hunting. And yeah. So, uh, well, hold on. So what kind of what kind of year would this be? Ninety eight, maybe. 97? Was that around the time he was doing Rounders? Rounders, right? So Rounders was this was the PR tour for oh, Rounders. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. So Ed Norton was knocking around. I never got to meet Ed Norton, but I met Matt Damon, and he was, and he was lovely. And John, being John, John was like, uh, oh, you know. You know, Craig Butterly, don't you, Matt? And Matt did, you know. like They had some mate in common. So we interviewed Matt, and he was in the thing. And, yeah. you know, and then I was there. Uh, John had cut it with Eamon Power, and then we were thinking about voiceover artists, and I was walking down by Trinity, and I saw John Hurt at the bus stop. And I was like, do you ever do voiceovers? <laughs> <laughs> John, <laughs> John, 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 John. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's just that, like... yeah. 
20 something blundering naivety <laughs> but there's a magic to it sometimes because oh, people yeah. give you a break they cut you a bit of slack you know yeah. and he's like yeah yeah this is my agent's number and the agent quoted us some ridiculous amount of money and I was like yeah fine you know because <laughs> I thought that yeah, well, it wasn't it was 1200 sterling it was a lot back then yeah, you know yeah. for a voiceover but we end up directing you know John and me are sitting there and John's directing John Hurt in the voiceover booth you know it was like yeah. it was crazy no but again it's just that beginner's look is a huge thing. Youthful you know? exuberance. And did that do well for you then? We sold it to 14 countries. Channel right. 4 was the top rated through lives of the year in RT1. I mean, it flew with Derry O'Brien sold it for us. Yeah. It was just on the cusp of poker. There was a late night poker on the telly and the yeah. internet was driving it. And yeah. there was a, you know, yeah. it was beautifully timed. And if you watch the film, it's all on YouTube. It's called The Million Dollar Deal. Okay. If you watch it, um, you know, we got very lucky with some of the people who were in it. The guy who won was this magnificent character that you couldn't write. Yeah. He was like something out of a kind of early 80s Brian De Palma film. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, he was a sort of cocaine-addled, mulleted Vietnamese guy who never took off his sunglasses. And I mean, it was just extraordinary. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, but you know, it's funny. You make that film and that beginner's look thing, is it can be hard then because... Mm. You've made your film with John Hurt, Matt Damon, Channel 4, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then you're kind of, what next, you know? And yeah. I didn't make a film for like four years and right. I was tipping away in RTE. And, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's important to remember that I think when you're starting out, if you get a bit lucky, don't be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, be patient. Something else will come along. That's you great. know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... The pressure you heap in yourself is the hardest pressure of all, I think, you know, in this business. Mm. We often ask that about kind of rejection and strategies and mindfulness, how people bounce back, bounce back ability. Do you have bounce back ability? You know, it's funny. I have. You have to work on that and I have worked on it, you know, Mm. like I went to see someone going, I want to be a bit more resilient. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like because you will have setbacks in this business. And because it's that weird sort of combination of personal creativity and emotional investment and business, you know, the setbacks can be hard, you know. Mm. So that idea of resilience, working on it. But, you know, time helps as well. And you get a bit older and you have a, I have a family now and that helps as well, you know. Mm-hmm. You kind of just go, Fuck it. there are many things in the world, you know what I mean? It's only a film. It's only telly. Whatever. You it's know. not really only a film. Though. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, though. You try and tell yourself <laughs> yeah, that, but yeah, you don't yeah. really think <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, it plays the thing. Yeah, I guess. But, you know, there is a thing of coming home and, you know, playing with your son. Uh, you know, it does change how you view work. Yeah. It makes you more efficient in how you use your time, but it mm. also stops you loading all your emotional eggs into one basket, you know, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, you seem to be very good at Pitching, was it always something that you were good at or was it something you had to work on? It was not something I was always good at, no. It is something I had to work on. But having said that, if you're a documentary maker, you're effectively pitching every day to someone you want to talk to about something Mm -hmm. or be around. So there's a constant process of pitching daily, which is what's different to drama directing, you know? Like, if I want to, you know, I'm following some guy around, I want to go into a shop, I have to walk into the shop and go, hey, we're doing this really cool film, you know, like, la, la, la. And, you know, you start to realise 
the you know how you're, you're how ne- you're never off stage. Not really, like it's mm. it's quite uh, energy sapping. Mm. But I yeah. kind of have, I think, a reasonably extroverted personality that enjoys other people, and I think that's. I don't know how there are shy documentary makers, but I don't know how they do it. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, it mm. must be hard. Yeah, well, it, you've kind of you've moved more into documentary. That's more your wheelhouse these days. Are you, or are you still got drama projects there? Don't fucking lay. I'm not. Me. I'm not <laughs> pigeonholing you. I'm just. You know what? Like years. you kind of. Um, there was one particular year where I had a bit of a purple patch with the dramas. Mm-hmm. I did a web series for RTE. It was the first year of Storyland. I'm sure you're familiar with Storyland. Yeah, yeah, I was involved in the first year. Were you? Yeah, what was your project? I was a, the video shop show that came second. 2009, the, right? No, that was the second year, I was think. Was it the second year? The first year, uh, Hardy Books Hardy won. Books. The first year, Hardy Books won. Yeah, yeah. and they, yeah, I was they in came second. What was it called, the video show? It was show. called Rental Boys. And it's a, it's That's available right. If anybody's I beg your in pardon. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, listeners. We he's making a face. <laughs> was yours? Uh, was yours? Uh, no, no. There was yeah. some incredible people involved yeah. in that. Um, gra- you know, and a lot of it was improvised, which was great fun. But who uh, was uh, who was involved in that? Gemma Cray. Who's oh, that? she gorgeous girl. Yes, yeah, yeah. who now is uh, you know involved in women in film. Yeah, TV she's Ireland, super uh, nice woman. And, yeah. You know, actively screenwriting. But yours was Psych Ward. Right? Psych Ward. Yeah, it was great. I remember watching that. Gone. Why is this? in this format where, <laughs> where every teenager in the country is just, is just watching the Hardy books and our, and, and our show and just clicking for them and because, uh, and colleges and you know there's all sorts of stuff going on with the voting and, yeah, yeah. and, and, th- and then you have this little gem of a drama that's been completely overlooked I remember very genuinely going why is that not <laughs> fucking winning this you know and I was like why am I not in that show but from an actor's pr- perspective yeah. I was like and I thought it was really great and like a huge disservice to everybody involved to even be in that because it was like a, it was perceived to be an enter like RT entertainment came up at the start of it. Well, it was meant to be RT drama. comedy came up. Uh, I remember on the. I think it was drama times. actually. I think it was, it was drama. Was it was actually drama. drama. It was, drama. It was, drama. Team, it was they just we, got loads of comedy because yeah. we had they did yeah. and like you can see why yeah. you know I yeah. mean I suppose in a way I was just like what sort of stories were interesting me at that time? Yeah. What sort of tone was I reaching for? Um, it was that was the recession two thousand. I mean, it was a dark time, mm-hmm. yeah, in this town, and like there was a lot of dark stuff going on. And my brother, my other brother, it's all about the brothers, um, <laughs> had been training as a GP, and one of the things he had to do was six months as a trainee yeah. psychiatrist in the emergency room. Yeah, and I just thought that is you know. So me and him wrote it together. So that texture of reality mm. was very much. From his experience. It was Barry yeah. Ward and Hugh, Hugh O'Connor was in as well. Yeah, I met Hugh down at the Galway, no, Cork Film Festival, more festivals. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew he was a mate of John's and stuff, and obviously knew of him, but he had that kind of intelligence coupled with that weird, almost uncanny youthfulness that he has. Mm-hmm. There's something, there's, he's so boyish. Yeah. And that idea of the boyish doctor, you know, the callow, kind of inexperienced. Yeah. Trainee kind of Doogie Hauser vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Doogie Hauser a bit of a know-it-all though, wasn't he? Like, but yeah, Doogie Hauser vibe, I guess. And Hugh, look, Hugh is a very sensitive. I'm sure you've had him in here as well. Sensitive artist, amazing guy to collaborate with. Brilliant. Barry, I just love working with. You just yeah. can't take a bad shot, at Barry Ward. He's a great actor. 
He just inhabits the space, though, in this way that I think is... He's sort of like an athlete or something. He has this balance about him. Very, very good football player. Like, well, really? Like, yeah. could have done League of Ireland, you know, to a high... You know, could have played football to a very high standard. Yeah. You know, has that sort of... Beautiful technique. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And grace. <laughs> but that's very important in an actor, you know? Yeah. You know, course. like, to have that. And we had some good people in that show, like... Uh, Johnny Ward was in it, who uh, blew us all away. Yeah. Dylan Tighe, a remarkable, amazing character. Yeah. Um, Justine Mitchell, great actor. Just a, w- like a wasted opportunity, uh, really, from RTA. I really felt that was like... And then, I c- you know, over the years as well, there was a couple as well. Because they didn't know what it was, and a couple of them fell through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. didn't know what it was. It was an experiment, but... Totally, like... Uh, yeah. It got me onto coming up, though, for Channel 4... Okay. So like you it did, did it its job, up? yeah, it did cool. its job. Like in terms yeah. of you had your calling card, very much so. And uh, after the shorts, and in a way, it was kind of the ideal format for me because I didn't have to plot out a sort of big long, you know. It was like series bible. It was like there it is. That's all we have. Well, just writing loads of plot. I was just not, any, you know, it's very hard <laughs> to do. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're inexperienced, then. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's a good thing we didn't get any further in that competition. I had no idea what was going to happen in the next episode. I mean, at all, you know. <laughs> so, really? yeah. There was an element of making it up as you went along. Right. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, like, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, if you don't know how many episodes, that was the format, wasn't it? It, it was. was. Kind of, right. Well, what we did, we, we shot three in a block. Okay. Because you were meant to shoot, produce a new one every week, and I was like, it ain't going to happen, guys. So we did quite a clever deal with everyone where we gave them a little, very small amount of money, but if we got through... They get more. Yeah. Okay. But you had your pilot then, right? You had well, yeah, it was 20, like 20, 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. like it went off to London, I think, on a DVD, you know, back at God, yeah. remember, Gobby with the days. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it got me into the coming up workshops, which was like the coming up workshops was like, they had, what did they have? They had 12 directors and 12 writers and they were picking six of us. Right. You know, I mean, from yeah. one competition straight into another. Right, it's the I hunger, hunger games yeah. for filmmakers. It was. It was. I mean, when you look back, you know. Poof. Yeah. And there was some good people in that room, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like there really was. I'm trying to think who was in that room now. Tom Marshall did it with me. He just directed some of the young offenders. He was about 21. He was a young lad from Middlesbrough. Yeah. Stacy Gregg, who's currently uh, doing a thing. Have you had her in? Uh, no, no. interesting character. She's got. She's shooting her f- debut feature with yeah. Andrea Riseborough at the moment. Like, right. not mm. to be sniffed. That Stacey, great woman. Um, you know, and there was a bunch of people like Michael Pierce, who then made that film Beast oh, last year. I really love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really love that. I can't believe I'm saying this. I didn't get to see it, but I heard it was amazing. Like, he's a very good filmmaker. Mm. He didn't get through. Really? <laughs> there you go. You know, it's, he he did it the next year. Yeah, he did right. it the next year. Yeah, yeah. And um, were you pitching? You were. They weren't assigning you a script that you had to. Oh, they were. Oh, they were. Okay. And that was a nightmare. Right. The script is awful. Oh, really? So you're you're suddenly making this Channel Four film with a with a script that just didn't work. And uh, you knew from the get go. Yeah. 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 I don't want to actually tell too many tales at a school because I want to sound negative. But it was an amazing experience. Yeah. The pressure, like shooting a half hour film in four days, TV drama. I had a Bosnian lead. I had. Um, a Lithuanian, you know, co-star. Like the Bosnian rocked up, basically didn't speak English. Like casting director just 
and it was just horrendous. How does one, how does one <laughs> obtain a Bosnian? Yeah, it's mad. It, like we were, the, the character was a Russian. We were we had basically what happened. Well, we had a big name actor who then disappeared in us a week before the shoot, and oh, okay. you know we got this other guy, and he was a lovely fella, but he um, it was tricky. Stanley Townsend was in it. When I saw Stanley, I was like, "Thank God!" One of a, my favorite actors. Yeah. And a total ledge. I mean, I, I hate that. Oh, my God. I'd, really I'd nice. love to get him on. If he hears this, please get in touch. Yeah. We'd love to have you on. He's Stanley's really like, great, you know. He's lovely, like. Um, Bingo. Yeah, I think he's even better. <laughs> we have lived that. <laughs> he's very funny. So I was just so delighted to have him because it was, it was like a, a comfort blanket, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, having yeah, the, yeah. the other bearded Dubliner with the... You know, kind of rolling her eyes, uh, all brilliant. this going on. I seen him on a show years ago called Shining City, and it, amazing. I've never seen anything like so it. So good, fucking hell, so good. Because when theater's good, it's no. He uh, good, that, that great. I think he still talks about that. Great. You know, as the kind of zenith of his career, it was superb. Like, yeah, his. That's what he wants to be doing. The other thing he said to me is, he's like, "Why didn't I get the call for Leopold Blue?" And you're kind of looking at him. He's like... You're fucking right. You know? <laughs> Big time. Yeah, yeah. He's got that kind of, you know... He's a gravitas, but he's, and also like a... A warmth there as well. Yeah, there's a warmth there. empathy. Because I don't know, did you ever see Bloom? Uh, the film of Ulysses. The second film of Ulysses. The one... Stephen Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah, years ago, but yeah. And I love Stephen Ray. You know, I really do. Like, I think he's very special talent, but he's not Leopold Bloom, not in a million years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and... Uh, and it just didn't quite, didn't quite work, you know. Well, I would have liked seeing Stanley. Well, it, there's always that question. I mean, if you were to ask the general population if they've seen it, and they said no, then that answers a lot of that, that answers that particular. Well, question. I suppose. But casting is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it's like, how do you cast? Well, you chat up a good-looking girl, but no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. That was the that was the casting director. No, how do you cast? That's a very fraught question. Now you can't make any sort of jokes about it, but um. <sighs> It is massively important, like, obviously. But I think I don't think people get how important it is mm. at all until, until you f find yourself going into battle with the wrong person, you know, and then you're like, oh, God. So the question is, can they act? Do they look the part? And do you want to work with them? Mm. And you can usually figure out the first two pretty much straight away. Yeah. You know, right. yeah, like, this guy can act. I've seen him in stuff. Or this woman looks the right type, you know. Yeah. But then it's that thing of that indefinable, is the chemistry right? Mm. Are they generous? Are they going to wreck heads? Are they not going to wreck heads? You know, like, <laughs> that stuff is important. You know what I mean? And, like, particularly if you have a senior figure in your cast, their temperament, their temperament is D massively important. Dictates the tone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember on Psych Ward, like he, it was all about Hugh, and he was the best known actor in it. Mm. He was so into it; he was so positive. He had such generosity. Sarah Green was in it as well. A brilliant cast, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Really yeah. good. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, Thursa, amazing. You know, just brilliant. Knocked it out of the park for me. Mm -hmm. But you know, Hugh establishes a tone, and then everything else is hunky dory after that. So you know it's that I mean? important. Yeah, just in terms of like the workplace environment. It's massive. I mean, I did a. Uh, did a short with Jim Norton then the same year. Okay. It was Bishop Brennan and Father Ted. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in the last right, the new movie. So now. Yeah, like a, Jim's a man. You know, yeah. Jim's like. Crilly! 
It's fantastic, though. I mean, I was like, what are you up to after this, Jim? Kind of expecting him to go, well, I'm pretty much retired these days. And he goes, I'm doing an 18-week run on Broadway, you know, eight shows a day, dancing, Jesus. I'm singing. I'm no way. Does his, like, just like, and I had, um, there was a scene in the film, it's a very silly little short. It's not really my, I was trying to do a different tone. Mm. And it was about an old man who, you know, meets this lovely widow and wants to bring her birthday cake and then these ruffians beat him up and you know but it was sort of a Roald Dahl almost kind of heightened tone not really my thing but it was right. nice to kind of try it yeah uh, it didn't quite work but it works but but having Jim just being sound and I had an elderly stuntman standing by for when he gets his ass kicked <laughs> The great Bronco a, McLaughlin who died recently. Is that a thing? An elderly, elderly story? Well, you know, they, 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 they stick around. Of course it is, yeah. Yeah, Bronco. Have you never heard of Bronco? No, He's, no. He no. died, he died, he died, uh, died last year, or maybe even this year. God rest him. Bronco was, Bronco's the one going down the Amazon on the cross in the mission, like. You know right. what I mean? Bronco was, you know, Bronco was stormtroopers. Bronco really, was... Really, yeah. Bronco taught Harrison Ford how to ride a horse and all that crack. You know what I mean? Bronco, was he Irish? Or he was him? Irish, yeah, yeah. He was Irish. He went to Australia when he was like 16. And right. That's where he got the name and he was mad into the horses <laughs> and then he got into the film business and yeah, no, he was a character. Like, was a yeah. film in that? Yeah, I know. I think someone actually made it a little doc about him. Like, okay. Oh, okay. And I remember Sam Shepard had a play about a stuntman. Don Witchley was in it. And Don went... Don. Don went to met Don went to met Bronco. I remember, and uh, I know Bronco's daughter quite well. She was the one who was going out with the poker player. Actually, that's the oh, right. That's it all coming yeah, back to us. Yeah, And she, yeah, he she went to it. Was like, oh, you know, he like he walked like my dad, and he talked like my dad, and he he kind of just taken bits of Bronco, you know. So I guess he lives on, like you know. Yeah. R.I.P. But um, <laughs> but anyway, that thing of yeah, Jim was just. A, up for anything really nice and that makes everyone else behave themselves you know what I mean yeah. so the thing is if someone starts prick acting then the yeah. opposite happens and everyone starts getting pissed off and niggling and yeah. and suddenly your atmosphere can be poisoned so it's kind of like uh, establishing a prefect like a prefect a little bit in, in, in a class really. a little bit yeah. or and a kind of a kind of pack leader song, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know how that goes. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. making a film is a bit like hosting a dinner party or, a, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have to kind of create or doing something like this. You have to create a useful energy between everybody. Mm. And if you have someone who is pushing back against that energy, it's very hard to accommodate that without it affecting everyone, you know. Mm. But I've been lucky, though, to be fair. Like, I haven't really had that many. I mean, some actors will test you. Yeah. They'll quiz you. They'll make sure you know your stuff. Mm. And that you've thought about it all. Yeah. And you're not just blagging it. Yeah. But that's fine. You know, because, well, hopefully you aren't just blagging it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, hopefully yeah, you yeah. have done your homework. Yeah. And like, you have, you know, I remember work, you know, Justine was like that. She'd be like, loads of questions. Yeah. Kelly Goff, I worked with well, Denise Goff's sister, very good actor, same thing. Very kind of, mm. you know, I want to know everything. Yeah. And I'll give you it all back in spades. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. So... You know, it's a fun thing to work with. I don't get to work with actors as much as I like, you know, but, you know, drama's hard. Yeah. Well, you obviously have, a like, a great ear for story in terms of documentary. Um, I love Jump Boys and Jump Curls. Oh, uh, thanks, dude. Uh, um, Are you from Kildare? Uh, no, but my dad <laughs> loves the DJ. Oh, the GG, there, so. you go. there you go. <laughs> uh, so, the, are you always looking for 
stories? Are your ears always open? Or how do you find A lot of work comes to me. It's funny. I I, kind of have a slightly different type of career. Yeah. Like, I have my own projects, but then I have my job and director. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah. The money's in place. The gig is happening. Yeah. You know, let's do this. Like, there's none of this three years of development hell or, you know, out with the begging bowl, Mm. you know. So you can just get in and work. Yeah. And uh, actually, funny you should say, Jump Boys happened the same year I did the drama. So I did the Channel 4 drama, which looked great and had a nice feel to it, but mm. was not very well acted. The script, and right, the, scri- right, and yeah. par- the reason for that was my inexperience, but also the script being well, just I did the short with them, um, Jim, that was grand, did nicely for me. Yeah. And then I did actually a film I was quite proud of for T.G. Carr called Boss Art O'Leary, which was a... Uh, retelling of an old 18th century poem but it was like updated in a kind of contemporary housing estate kind of okay. feuding gangster versus traveller type oh I saw it yeah I remember it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. good Lachlan Amaron Owen McDonald, Kelly Goff <coughs> Ethan Agardle good old cast and yeah. got to work with Susie Lavelle the cinematographer who's oh, just got this stratospheric career mm. like she did the Sherlock Holmes Christmas special you know a bunch of movies she just did Lenny Abrahamson's Oh, the series. Normal people. Oh, yeah. Susie's amazing. Yeah, tra- normal people. Normal people. She'll try and get her on. She, I mean, she lives in London, but if she's around, she's yeah. she's the nicest woman as well. Yeah, it girl. seems as if the only way we'll get them on is if, is if we do if we work on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, comes over yeah. for three days. Yeah, I know, it's funny that, isn't grab, it? Revolve, yeah, revolving yeah, door. And yeah, like yeah, that's a good point, actually. you got to make hay, don't you? Absolutely. So I was doing all that, and I was like, this is going well now. You know, that was all in six months. Is I it nice to see everybody that you've worked with kind of ascending up the ranks together? Is that nice or are you like in the bollocks? No, no, look, it's, it's great. Like, you know, I mean, like you can't compare and despair as a friend of mine said, which I thought was a brilliant yeah, yeah. line. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, I like to think when I, when I see people I've worked with doing brilliant, you know, I really am pleased. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Mm. Unless they were pricks. <laughs> but there's very few of them are. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. very few of them people are. People are really nice, though, aren't they, generally? Well, you know, that's the thing. And, like, you kind of have this idea that really successful people have to be totally tough. But I don't know. Like, a lot of really successful people are, you know, you've seen an interview with Steven Spielberg. What? How does he come across? He comes across as a lovely fella, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And apparently he is. So, like, yeah. if Spielberg doesn't have to be a dickhead, like, why would anyone else? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. James it, Cameron comes across as a dickhead, mind you. So, you know, there, you know, you, do yeah, you know what I mean? There's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's two ways of, but wouldn't you rather be the nice one? Yeah. And kind of sleep easy choice, in your bed. Yeah. If there was a choice. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? And I mean, I think some people, their ambition can overwhelm their natural kindness. And I think that's some, uh, not a price worth paying, really. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Even from doing this, everybody that's come in, we've had, I don't think we've had, we've no negative experiences. Nothing. Well, that's because everyone's like this. I get to talk about myself for now. Yeah. This is amazing. Like, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, but I haven't said that. Like, even when the red light goes off, like, yeah. there's no switch, you know? Yeah. It's well, like, the thing is, we work in an amazing business as much as we might give out about it. If you're lucky enough to actually make stuff, you, like, you have to be passionate about it and you have to love it. So, totally. you know, generally people are. Totally, yeah. and this is also a very like the, I've, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Like I do love the energy and <laughs> the sort of the the authenticity of them. Yeah, 
you know, and you're not just like... There's no lying in them. They're not censored. Well, there's no, yeah, and they're not glib, and mm. it's not like wham, bam, you've got seven minutes to sell your film. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. and you're just getting to sit back and have a bit of a conversation. And yeah. I think, like, fair play to you is what you're doing because it's, 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 it's important for communities to have these kind of things. And this is a small, it's such a small community that struggles scale-wise, but there is a nice spirit in it. Mm. And there's some interesting people in it as well. Yeah. So many, yeah. Well, we what's great for us is just being able to hear other people's similar struggles and similar uh, things that everyone goes through. Because a lot of the other kind of film podcasts are American or English, and sure. it's yeah, just very, very different. They're you know? very, you know, press junket esque type podcasts. Right. You know, there's, there's shift in cases of whatever. I know. We just wanted to. Basically, the chats you'd like to have with somebody, and and also to break down any sort of preconceptions people have about people as well. Yeah, you for know, sure. People for sure. are people. We all struggle with the same stuff. Exactly. On different levels, obviously, but yeah, for sure. You know, that was very much part. You you kind of mentioned there you've had a couple of purple patches. The the how do you deal with it? Like you know, because it's what's a purple patch? Purple just when things are just going well. You're, in the, but you're in the zone for a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all you know. There's a beautiful. You know, you're kind of going from gig to gig and, you know, you don't have time to think and it's all, you're conf- it's confidence. Yeah. And like, you know, like that winger and some days he's a world, David Ginola, I'm showing me age now. Some days he'd be like world Ginella. beater, you know, other days he just, he just wasn't able to get it together. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I think that's creativity is very hard to be consistent and to kind of always hit a standard. You what know, is, that's a challenge. That, is that like, is it osmosis or is that something you can control or, or leverage? Or is it just something that comes and goes in waves? I think all you can do is make the bad times less bad. <laughs> and, you, just, and just wait for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. channel the good energy productively. Yeah. As opposed to just being like all over the place and manic and coming up with too many ideas. And, you know, you get to a stage and you realize ideas are fabulous. Execution is what separates, you know, the, the doers from mm. the dreamers, you know? Yeah, and yeah. like that thing of executing is always massive, you know? Yeah, 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 and like, so. and you know, and the classic, mis- I remember when I was, I was script editing the Art O'Leary film and Moncon McGann, who's a wonderful guy who I worked with since. Uh, We've had his brother on. Ruan, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. he's a filmmaker, yeah. Um, but Moncon is just lovely. But he'd written the end of the film, last scene, and it was, uh, 16 horses gallop across the council estate, you know, three fall to their death, you know? And you're like... <laughs> You know, you can write this stuff, Moncon, but yeah, we yeah. ain't ever going to be able to film that, you know? And like, it's cheap. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, how about there's three people and one of them tries to kill one, but the other one ends up doing it? Okay, cool. Let's do that instead, you know? But like, you know, you, it, it's, it's that weird thing of you're always operating within the frame of the possible. Yeah. Mm. But sometimes you can let that frame get a bit too small and then you, you realize you're not actually pushing yourself mm. far enough and you're taking the easy option. So you can be too too pragmatic and you can yeah. be too unrealistic. Yeah. But there's a beautiful madness in between the two. Yeah. We Wait. had we had a similar we, we had a panel last night at our Christmas event and we had Frank Berry. Oh, I love Frank, yeah. And uh, um, Vincent Lamb uh, who was nominated for the I Oscar. still haven't seen that film. Um, I hear it's powerful. It's controversial. It, it, it's, it's, it's oh, very, yeah, for very, talk very about powerful. It. Yeah. Yeah. Paddy Jordan shot it, I think. Yeah, I would, yeah, I did, yeah. I would suggest Paddy, to people, yeah. if they haven't seen it, try whenever, whatever way they can to try and see it, watch mm. it. 
reserve any sort of judgment based on the, uh, the material. And yeah, the whatever you think, you'll be talking about it afterwards. That's yeah. for no sure. doubt. Like, yeah. well, you know, it's funny because Boy A was such a mm. an amazing film. Have you seen yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that was John Crowley, wasn't it? Crowley. Or John. John Crowley. John Crowley, yeah. I mean, that blew me away. With Andrew, like, Andrew yeah. Garfield. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's and brilliant. Peter yeah. Mullen. Yeah. Yeah, terrific actor. But there was, that film was very well realised as well. I remember thinking when I saw it, I was like, God, that guy is an amazing director. Mm. But even he's, it's so hard to make a good film, you know? Even he's yeah. blown hot and cold, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, the best do. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I was just, just to get back to what I was going to say. Um, that we one of one of the subjects that came up was in terms of kind of pitching and the kind of grey area in between the, the work. Um, where is where is it best placed? Like, at what point in the idea should you pull back in terms of like scale? Do you know what I mean? Should you self censor and self? Yeah, like or just write or just, it. Just just fucking write it. Get it out. Dream big and try and fucking make it. Yeah, it's it, a, it, the way it's supposed it's to be. It's just really hard to say. Like, mm. I always try and put myself on the other side of the table and go, I'm a commissioning editor or a Screen Ireland project manager or mm. a sales yeah. agent or a distributor. Am I going to hand money to this guy to do that film? Do I think he's cap- you know, yeah. he or she is capable of delivering so by that rationale absolutely right that way but when you know there's money coming in before you even no what I'm, no I, that's not the point I'm making the point I'm making is you can write but are you writing a, if you're a writer director are you capable of directing what you've written mm. uh, yeah. and some people are just fully fledged you know genius directors and they're able to do it and I don't know how yeah, yeah. I mean there are certain people I've met Kind of like Kieran Foy, I don't know if you know him. But yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just like he came out of the womb with a storyboard in his hand. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. You, you're just looking at him, going, you know, how did you get like that? It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not like that. So yeah. I kind of am aware of my own limitations a bit. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of puts in. Sometimes I'm like, I have an idea at the moment. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to get my, mm. I don't want to expend energy. Get your own hopes up. Well, yeah, but I also think in the past I've talked about projects mm-hmm. and not done them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is at such an early stage that I almost feel like if you talk about it, sometimes it actually dissipates the drive to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a thing they say that there's it, whatever the thing that triggers in your mind from you just saying it, you've, it's kind of like you've achieved. Like it's the same it, endorphin. It's, it's the same, same endorphin, endorphin yeah, yeah. But then, so then your drive, as you say, is kind of diminished a bit. Then, so. and then you're the guy who was talking about yeah, that film that, that never got made. Yeah, and yeah. does that mean you're just a bullshitter? <laughs> you know, no. You know, not if you go and do something else. True, but I probably. Sh- should have yeah. just shut my mouth about that film, from, you know, <laughs> until I had it, you know, yeah, to the yeah. to the point where there was a chance of it happening. And you know, I, that there was one film in particular I remember I really wanted to make, but in the end, I was just like, they're never. I'm never going to get. I'm not going to get to make that film now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might get to make that film in ten years, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, I'm doing a project at the moment. I'm just in prep on it, mm. and and it's a documentary about Sean Casey, and it's for RTE, and it's a nice big two hour. You know, it's the right job for me at this. Great. You know, yeah. I'm, you know. Yeah. But years ago, not that many years ago, I had a proposal about, I want to do a documentary about the North Circular Road, kind of, because I live off it. Mm. And it's just this, it's like Ireland's main street. It goes from the Oris to the IFSC and it goes past, you know, Daly Mounts, Croker, The Matter, Mount Joy, yeah. Stony Batter, you know, like Dorset Street, Sheriff Street. You know, like yeah, it's a yeah, huge, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a sort of, 
there's all these iconic places along it, and I was and that never got made, and I was really pissed off about that. Shit. But now I'm doing this thing about Sean O'Casey, who wrote his three plays in 422 North Circular Road, was born in Dorset yeah, yeah, Street, yeah. lived yeah, in yeah, East yeah. Wall. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of going, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's coming out some other way. And that kind of, all that thinking I did about how it might look and feel is now going to get channeled into this new project, you yeah, know? So yeah. life finds a way. Uh, well, you, 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 you know, I, the older I get, the more I believe in karma yeah. and things yeah, yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. There does seem to be patterns there, you know? Yeah, I had a similar thing. I... I went for funding for something kind of around the IWLM and the, the contraceptive train and all that with oh, yeah. film board years ago and it didn't come off but I was always just fascinated about oh, you know, yeah. the sexual politics of Ireland right I was going to say Mickey's there for Mickey's a second yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I then, <laughs> then I ended up making a uh, film about Mickey's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Ireland's first vasectomy doctor so well you know yeah. there you go but, but it is funny isn't it like you kind of end up and you sort of have honed a bit of an interest in something yeah, and the, yeah, the morality yeah. of reproduction. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting territory in this country always. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I'm the same. I like, uh, you know, Duncan Stewart, but like gave me a gig. But then I ended up directing the first three seasons of Room to Improve right. with Dermot Bannon. Yeah, which is still going, and it's like yeah, a massively huge popular yeah. show. Yeah. And like, you know, that got me a lot of kudos and a lot of, and got me paid yeah. through a couple of bad years yeah. uh, in the industry, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And uh, he, they were great to work with. Mm. And then I did a thing about the College of Surgeons, uh, also with Dermot Bannon, and I'm doing another one and just finished one about the Museum of Literature building and, you know, and yeah. you're kind of like, and my mother was an architect, I'm kind of like, yeah, architecture is now something I can kind of mm. speak the language of, mm, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's an interesting world to be in. And then horse racing, totally randomly, yeah, get in, yeah, you know, yeah. get into that. And yeah. like, you know, I didn't, you know, these are, but isn't that a wonderful thing as a filmmaker, documentary yeah, maker? Uh, you know. There you go, boys and girls. I mean, the moral, moral of the story is a project is never dead or it will, you know, it'll manifest itself in something else. Totally. So now, you know, don't give totally. up. Totally, completely. We can't let you go without talking a little bit about Thomas Reed. Kind sure. Of an unusual role for you, but uh, definitely one of my favourite documentaries made in Ireland ever. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was, it was. I was very fortunate to work with some very talented people on that film, and you know their attitude and their standards taught me a lot about you know the, the creative integrity and not compromising. Mm. You know, mm. it was an unusual one. I was the producer of the film. Yeah, mm. that they were great. Old mates of mine from around Stony Batter. They lived over the back wall, right? And, uh, and they used to borrow a. VX2000 DV camera off me back in the day. <laughs> they made their first film, I think, on the camera that I lent them. Right. Uh, and, you know, Fergal Ward uh, and Tiger Sullivan, like, it's like, where does one begin and the other end? You yeah, know, like, yeah. they're very much a sort of unit who kind of collaborate intensely and yeah. they have a very specific aesthetic. And I was trying to, they asked me to produce it for various reasons and it worked out great, but it was hard because they were a very tight unit and I was kind of the third guy and, you know, and, you know, I was a, I'm a director so I keep yeah. reaching for that tool set yeah. and, you, you know, that's kind of inappropriate, like, you know, um, so I was trying to figure out where I would fit in. Yeah. You know, because I really, I'm not that into Excel spreadsheets or contracts, you know, yeah. so just doing that wasn't really going to work for me. And then you kind of, after a while, kind of got a sense that, okay, they're going to make this amazing film uh, I was doing pitching, 
you know, around Europe. And, and I was doing all right at that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I kind of know what the story of this film is. And I just want to make sure that that story gets delivered in the filmmaking. Yeah. Because these guys are like an art house, you know, they'd like make films for like galleries and, you know, yeah. they're not... Like they'd say themselves, they're not that interested in storytelling. It's experimental filmmaking, really. Yeah, yeah it's a, yeah. or it's atmosphere. Yeah, you know, or it's kind of look at the strangeness of life, or mm. it's about something intellectual mm. or emotional. Mm. Like it's rich and deep and interesting, but it's not a storytelling. Did you feel as if you had to kind of lasso them in narratively in that regard, or be more a creative <laughs> producer? Well, th- that was what I ended up deciding that you know. Or maybe it just emerged was, I'm going to be the guardian of the story here mm. because, you know, if you're doing room to improve, you you know, you have to deliver the story, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you're yeah. not, you know, like if you're doing a, a documentary about horse racing, there has to be a story. There has to be a story. So, so I kind of felt maybe that's where I can contribute to this soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bit of tension involved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of yanking people around a little bit mm. like, but. I think the success of the film is their success. But I think the fact that the story was always there was a kind of, a, the, as a thread through the labyrinth. Yeah. That meant you could take a really art house, yeah. experimental film and put it in front of a room full of people in Abbey Field yeah. on a Wednesday night yeah. and they would love it. Yeah. And like, that's cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like th- I remember the night, the day before our release, we did a preview at Offline Film Festival in Burr. And I went down and I was like, Jesus, I wonder if there's anyone going to come and la la la. You know, the usual. Yeah. And it was packed. And there was a lad there and he's like, I've driven from Templemore 50 miles to hear about this fella. And he was like a cattle farmer. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is amazing. Um, that That film is connecting with him. Yeah. You know, this is why I do it. Totally, because like the audience in Idfa and Hot Dogs and Sheffield, they mm. all love it. Mm, mm. Brilliant. Mm. But also, the Templemore farmer loves mm. it. The people in Abbey Field love it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you realise you've kind of crossed over. And you know, because out in RT, RT put it out in prime time. Yeah. Put it out at half nine on a Sunday night. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, because I just nothing happens for the first twenty minutes of the film. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and and it's just like, and that was a brilliant choice by those filmmakers because they were like, it's a cinema film. You're in there. You've paid your tenor. You're gonna. You're not gonna get up and yeah. leave in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah. But also it was that thing of slow cinema, being the perfect aesthetic to tell the story of a lone farmer without electricity. You know, doing his living his life. Yeah. You know, like it, like the format and the story were perfectly intertwined which is which then makes that choice valid yeah you know what I mean like uh, it's not just a po- an aesthetic pose you know so so people went with it and you kind of got a feeling of this is what it must be like to be that guy I remember Tyga Sullivan saying we were at Sheffield or somewhere like that Tyga's very interesting guy and it was like, we're talking about VR and immersiveness and that's all big fashion at the moment and it just isn't really getting any traction. Mm. And well, yeah, hasn't it been in fashion for five years but no one's fucking doing anything? Like it's it? just one of those things, it's like, is it a solution looking for a problem? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, look, we all, see, I suppose there's, a, there's, a, there's an appetite for innovation, for freshness, for newness, mm. to harness technology for cinema mm. and storytelling. 
so there is this appetite but um it's a bit like the internet in 1994. <laughs> no one knows what to do with it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. You make text blink on and off. Like, <laughs> yeah. Error messages. But Tig's point was, in a cinema, if you have a sort of steady cam type rig and you're kind of floating around behind someone and the sound design is very specific and Tig's great on sound, as is Fergal, but Tig is specifically, you know, and he's an editor who specializes in sound design as well. Yeah. And you create that sound design, you know, that's a very immersive experience. Mm. You know what I mean? That's more immersive than putting on a set of goggles, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to do that is maybe, that, maybe that's the way to immerse people. If anybody has world. any doubts about the importance of sound in film, listen to ASMR videos. <laughs> you know? Because if, if somebody blown in a, into a microphone can give you goosebumps. Yes. Do you? I, they do. do, you they, do nothing, <laughs> they do nothing for me. Yeah. Well, no, they do. But, well, it depends if it's. No, certain people, a friend of mine's mad for them. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like a little bit. It's, it's just find, you find them relaxing, female, like. female voice for mm. some reason. What's look? It, it doesn't. For not, some reason. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go so far down the opposite road where things are yeah. going somewhere else. But I do kind of get a whoa. You a know, frisson. A frisson of uh, of uh, of. Of but I think you're just wired that way. As I say, some people are yeah. just mad. I, does, I don't know. Does it do anything for you? Like, no. Somebody no. said to me before, it's like someone blown in your ear. Some people have, right? And you know, it, 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 it an aversion. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's like tickles. You know, you yeah, tickles yeah, and you don't. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah totally. Uh, listen, we we, we, we <laughs> chat all day. It's like tickles, right? <laughs> life that's is like the, tickles. That's the takeaway. That's going to be the quote. <laughs> this has been absolutely amazing. It's been a great chat, and I think we should do all of our podcasts hungover. Right on. <laughs> Happy uh, Christmas, folks. M Merry Christmas. Thanks so much. That oh, was great. Thanks for having me. Cheers.